0: This episode of the Ex podcast is brought to you by Horbach Expats. Horbach Expats is a branch of the Horbach company that was founded by four young immigrant women who are here with a mission. They are here to say financial freedom should be a right, not a privilege, and especially for immigrants in Germany who might have a hard time navigating the financial planning world in German or because there's a lot of complications between their home country and Germany. Horbach is here to help no matter where you're from, no matter what your situation is. Their team offers individual advising in seven languages and Horbach Expats is actually partnering with the expat cast on a special event. So in honor of Independence Day, the 4th of July, I will be moderating a session with one of the financial advisors from Horbach on July 1st. So go ahead and mark your calendars. This session is going to be specifically for US Americans living in Germany. And as we plan this event, we wanna hear from you guys. What are your questions, concerns regarding your finances as US Americans in or planning to move to Germany? Are you interested in retirement planning, in investing, in real estate? let me know. We want to hear from you. We want to know so that we can tailor this July 1st event specifically for you. To let us know what topics you're interested in, you can drop me a line at theexpatcast@gmail.com gmail.com or use the contact form on my website at theexpatcast.com contact. And most importantly, go ahead and check out horbachexpats.com to learn more about what they can offer you. Welcome to the ExpatCast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole. Now, if you follow me on Instagram, you may remember about two months ago, I asked people if they've had an experience with German authority that made them cry because of the way that they were spoken to. And I asked that because I just had a situation that made me cry because of the way I was spoken to. Well, I heard from a lot of you guys saying that, yes, you've had that experience in a variety of different places, and I couldn't let the conversation end there. So it's not gonna. It's gonna keep going in this episode today and even in the season finale. More on the season finale part later, but first, a little bit about this episode. You just heard that this episode is brought to you by Horbach Expats, and our guest is actually Horbach Expats' expert on all things U.S. finances for expats living in Germany, her name is Martina. She's actually on the show not in the form of a financial advisor today, but rather because as we were speaking and arranging the partnership and the event coming up on July 1st that I mentioned at the top of the episode, we totally clicked. I mean, I think you'll hear it in this conversation. We had so much to talk about and so much in common and so many common passions, and I told Martina that I'd wanted to do an episode where we go in-depth into our stories and experiences with these stressful moments that make us cry. Turns out Martina was exactly the perfect person to talk to about this. Not only does she have her own experiences that she can share, this actually is what led her to become the financial advisor that she is today. And she also has a very unique background in relevant fields like linguistics and intercultural studies. So that's how this episode came to be. I'm very, very excited to bring this to you. You'll hear me talk about why in the episode. This has been a long time coming, and I'm really excited to get this conversation going. So without further ado, let's go ahead and hear from me and Martina. Enjoy.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Martina Schlar. I was born and raised in Uruguay, South America, and I'm currently living in Munich. I've been living here for five years now.
0: I'm so excited to have you here today for a topic I've been wanting to do for quite a few weeks now, which is times that German people of authority have made us cry in the way that they communicate with us one of the more relatable things in expat life, at least in Germany, I I imagine other countries too. Um, But of Mm -hmm. course, you and I both live in Germany, we're going to focus on our experiences here. I, oh, God, I'm just so eager to get into it. I want to start (laughs) with we can share a couple of our personal experiences of moments that either we've been led to tears or or a mm. similar feeling because I also acknowledge that I'm a very emotional person I'm I'm keen to cry when I'm stressed out but I know other people tears isn't really how that manifests, but they might feel a similar feeling of tightness or feeling small. So cool. So I'll actually share the story that made me get on this kick to want to do this episode. For people who don't know, I've been in Germany for coming up on four years now. I've become fluent in the language. I'm not I'm not perfect in it, but I'm very comfortable in it. Along the years, I've had my fair share of interactions with, in German, they're called Beamter, and that just means a mm-hmm. bureaucrat. So someone working at city hall or at a foreigner's office or what have you. In Germany, you have to go to these places a lot, especially if you're a foreigner. All of that wind up to say I've had moments in the past where my lack of German fluency was really the problem that led to some conflict between me and and the bureaucrat that I was working with. I've also had times regardless of my German fluency when things have gone wonderfully and people have been really helpful. Just a couple weeks ago, I was trying to put in my application to get my motorcycle license. So one of the things they need is called a Zay test, which is a vision test. The first time I went there to file my paperwork, I brought something I thought was a Zay test, but it turned out it was a prescription for glasses. The lady was really nice. She said, hey, no worries. This happens sometimes. I can't accept this, but what you can go is go back to the same store, tell them you need the Z test. And they'll get you the right form. So I'm like, okay, this is frustrating because it, you know, I'm going to have to come back and make another appointment. But okay, I go, I go to the store. I say, I need a Zay test. We do a Zay test. We talk in depth about that I'm doing this for my motorcycle license. I leave with a piece of paper that kind of looks similar to the last one. But I think, okay, I mean, I told this person what I need and, and this is what they're giving me. So I go back and make another appointment at the city hall. And I've got this Zay test with me and all the other paperwork. And I get assigned this younger woman um, and we start talking. But before I even get into a full sentence, um, this other woman comes over her shoulder and says, stop, stop, stop. You can stop it all right now. We can't accept that. And she ended up telling me that the, what I thought was a say test that I was bringing was actually not a Zay test. And it was the same problem as last time. It was a prescription. So. I'm of course naturally really frustrated, but I also know in Germany there's a bit of a thing that happens in customer service situations where sometimes you really need to push back and you need to get a little defensive and a little outraged, and then magically people are really helpful with you, but they're not always right away so i I, I didn't fully go in that mode because I just didn't have the energy in me that day to to be really like that can't be duh, 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 duh. So instead, I was trying to understand where I made my mistake because clearly, you know, I went twice to the same place and made the same mistake. So what what am I doing wrong? But this woman reacted as if I had gone into full, "This can't be the case. This isn't possible" mode, and she started attacking me. And before I could get any sentences out, I was saying, "That's not a say test. That's not a say test." And when I was trying to say, "Okay, well, how do I get one then?" She, start, she started pulling out other people's applications and showed me, look, that's a Zay test, that's a Zay test, that's a Zay test. What you have is not a Zay test. And she kept sort of attacking me with this. And I was like trying to say, hey, okay, good. It's not a Zay test. I... I don't like that that's the truth, but I accept <laughs> that it's the truth. So my next question was, where else can I go to get one? Because clearly the place I went, we had some kind of miscommunication, some kind of misunderstanding. So I'd like to go somewhere else. And she said, that place can do a Zay test. They do them all the time. Look, here's one from that company. Here's one not from that company. It's not my fault if you miscommunicate. And she got a little, uh, yeah, started getting a little, mm, not so thrilled with the fact that I wasn't german native speaker and at some point she asked she's like what are you italian and this this kind of tone i said no i'm not and she said um oh well whatever it's it's all russian to me which i don't know maybe that's a german saying i don't know but there was a lot of sort of judgment around where i'm from and then when she found out i'm american her tone changed and then when i told her can you please stop this. You're making me cry because you're attacking me. And I'm just trying to understand. And I know I'm not a perfect speaker in German, but I know I can communicate. However, when you attack me, I feel shut down and I feel boxed in. And now my now my communication stinks because I'm in tears. So can you stop attacking me and treat me like a person? And only then did she start to soften. But this was probably seven minutes into it, And I just got so frustrated that I had to be the person to be the bigger person to to use de-escalation tactics. And at the end of the day, they gave me the information I needed. They told me other places I could go. And they told me exactly what the form looks like. But what was so upsetting to me was that all of that was so avoidable. But she made an assumption about how I would react. She made further assumptions when she heard that I'm not a native speaker of German. And she, she was really not ready to be wrong, to calm down. So (laughs) that was the experience that most recently happened. And it's taken me years to get to the point where, A, my German's good enough to stand up for myself like that. And B, I have it in myself to stand up for myself like that. Mm. And even with all of those tools, it was a terrible experience. I'll be honest. Right now, today, I was supposed to call that department and ask how my application went. And I couldn't make the phone call because I have some kind of like mild PTSD about the whole thing because I felt so mm-hmm. terrible. So this got me thinking with all of these tools in my toolkit, I still can't do it. And I all of us have stories like this. And that's why I wanted to approach the topic today first with you. And then we're going to open it later on in the season to, to listeners. So so yeah, there's there's my most recent experience, but I definitely could point to more over the last four years. I don't know. Does anything that I just shared remind you of certain things or can you relate to that?
1: Definitely, Nicole, you've raised so many points. I actually ended up studying intercultural communication and cultural studies because I was fascinated with this way of different cultures communicating with one another and and understanding, you know, multiculturality and multilingualism. And you've raised so many points it's funny somehow in a a very in a very special way because you see how it happens in real life right so phone calls or letters my daily job i work with a lot of internationals i see that all of my clients have made experiences that are very similar not only in germany but also throughout the entire world so i am a firm believer that it german bureaucracy is particularly challenging Nevertheless, this is a matter of having that, that soft skill to be able to, as you were saying, de-escalation tactics, to be able to set yourself in, in the shoes of someone else and understand what's going on and why is this happening and not to automatically assume that a different level of skill in that language means courage and it doesn't mean incompetence. When we look at it from the from the bigger picture, every single bureaucratic or organisational apparatus, so to say, they are sometimes understaffed or overworked. Sometimes I wonder, do they receive the preparation, like the intercultural communication skills that they need? Is this even part of their training? I don't think so. This is a variable that culturally the country is in that moment where they have adjusted towards. Making this a part of the curriculum, making sure that the employees are ready to deal with cultural differences, linguistic differences, linguistic barriers. In linguistics, you call it accommodation theory, knowing that the person trying to adjust to the register of the other doesn't really work when you don't have that as a, as a mother tongue. There are so many factors coming into play. So even if they have the best intentions, they're always judging from their worldview and the, the information that they received. So to give you a concrete example, maybe I had this issue, which ended up being what drove me <laughs> to choose my profession. When I just moved here, I, I had three different episodes of this and it kind of built on top of each other. So when I first moved to Munich, I'm, you know, when you just moved here and you're still searching for an apartment, so you don't really have an address. And at the same time, you need the statutory health insurance or health insurance in general. And they're going to need an address and you need to go to the bank. And for doing the bank, you also going to need some other permits and and being able to show them that you're actually living here and registered.
0: It's such a web. It's like this giant circle of this person needs, (laughs) person A needs thing B, B needs C, C needs D, D needs E, and E needs A.
1: It is a definite catch-22 no one prepares you for. I'm a C2 in German. I went to German school my entire life. And still, I had the same challenges in different ways. It was just because I was able to communicate in a different way that they were able to take me seriously and understand, okay, this person knows what they're talking about and we need to go for the problem solving. I had luck that I actually stumbled upon a few employees and and a few public officials who were basically using the, the problem solving strategy and they had that mindset. But a lot of them were the first time that I was there, this <laughs> first anecdote. And basically, I was trying to open my bank account. They were they wouldn't let me. Because I just, uh, for various reasons, I couldn't travel to Germany in the timeline that I wanted. I only had two days until my university started. And wow. I... Needed everything so that I could actually register and get everything done. Like, registrations had started a month ago in Munich and it was close to the Oktoberfest. So, finding an apartment was very challenging. There were many, many challenges along the way, and um, the deadline was approaching. And I had to hand in these documents ASAP. I had to pay for my education. I had to do a down payment. I needed a freaking bank account. And I started crying in the middle of the appointment. I felt so lost. I moved to a city where I didn't know anyone. I started crying. I was like, lady, I'm so sorry, but I just, I don't know. I don't know half of the stuff you're telling me. I don't even understand finances in my own language. You're asking stuff of me that I don't know what it is. It's not common knowledge for me. I didn't know anything (laughs) about European law. I had no idea. Like, um, I was 18 years old, standing there completely alone. And I was like, "Um, okay, how, how do I do this? That was the first encounter and then uh it came everything regarding my visa right so over the years while you're a student they love you because it's like oh yes you're filling in the gaps and we have imported a brain successfully so they <laughs> <laughs> um you know that unofficial joke i come from a german school right so german schools being the unofficial german colonies and stuff so <laughs> I was imported here very successfully. I came on my own. I didn't even need encouragement or anything like that. And then uh, suddenly after my studies, I realized um, I made various different experiences regarding finances, where I realized I wanted to invest some money and no one was able to help me because I am not German. And there was no one who could talk to me in a language that I could understand, but in a cultural background that I could understand. And long story short, that is how I ended up becoming the person that I would have needed because I was just so frustrated. I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to do this myself. Like I'm going to be the person that I would have needed. I'm going to do this for other people. Cause this is not, this is not how the world that I envision. This is not how things should be. We can do better.
0: This is why I love you. I just have chills right now. I love that attitude because, man, all the stories that we've shared and what we're describing is this feeling of helplessness. Another thing you said that really stood out to me is um, at the bank, you said, these things aren't common sense to me. And I think that's a really key phrase because... One of the hallmarks of these kind of moments is there's this feeling of being demeaned whether or not that person is meaning to do that to you because they understand certain things to be common sense or to be obvious and they don't understand how it could not be obvious. And to you, it's completely not clear. (laughs) It's completely not obvious. And you're already, you know, in a foreign country working in another Mm -hmm. language and you already feel so disempowered in so many ways. So then to have your common sense or your baseline understanding questioned is really disheartening and disempowering. So to hear that you went from those feelings and turned it into, screw it, I'm going to fix it. And you made this huge empowered shift. To not only change your narrative of that moment, but also help other people. Like, that is so freaking cool.
1: I'm honestly so incredibly thankful for all those stones that I've encountered at the bank, at the investment fund that I wanted to invest in, at the public offices, at when I tried to become self-employed, which is also public enemy number one, basically, when you want to be self-employed in Germany, especially as an expert. Uh, I'm so thankful for that. Because hadn't I gone through that? I would not have found my mission. I would have not found what do I strive for? What do I, what, what do I want to change in the world? What do we want to achieve? So for anyone out there struggling with this, I know it's not what people like to hear, but sometimes you can turn it into a moment of empowerment. Sometimes you can turn it into an opportunity to, to share a little bit of interculturalism with someone else who hasn't had the privilege that we have as experts, as internationals, to be exposed to so many different realities that our brain is so plastic that we have the plasticity to, to adapt to different realities and to different worldviews. And that that for us is completely taken for granted. There are a lot of people who don't have this exposure. They have maybe never left their town. In that sense, it is, it, to my eyes, also our job to empower other people and to use it as a conversation starter to make sure that we raise awareness on this. For us, not as uh, changing the narrative and not see ourselves as victims of the situation, but being agents of change.
0: This is kind of blowing my mind right now because for me, one of the threads of these kind of situations is it's not it's not just bureaucrats. You know, you shared stories of at the bank, right? I posted this on Instagram when it happened and asked other people if they had moments like this. I got so many messages. Um, some of them talking about the doctor's office. Oh god. Um, it. you know, it's these positions where you are you're not the authority, someone else is, mm. and they have control over something really intimate to you, be it your legal status, your finances, or your body, right? They're the ones with the information and you're this outsider trying to do the thing that's right for you and not knowing what that is or how to get it, you know? Mm. <laughs> so to hear you remind us that's not fully the case, you know, it's not just that they are privileged, they are in authority here and we're Screaming around on the floor, begging for help. It's it's not quite that because yeah, it's really interesting perspective to think about. Although they may be privileged and they may be an authority in these in many ways, like they haven't gotten the chance to understand interculturalism, and maybe that's something that we can first off a little bit of power that we have that we can tap into, and then also something that we can try to share if the other person's open to it.
1: One hundred percent education and exposure and visibility and representation. Those are the things that drive change. And it starts with every single one of us. I believe that as an expat, one of the greatest challenges you have is unfortunate stuff happens to you sometimes either because you don't understand it you don't know it or it was just explained to you in a different way in a patronizing way you just um were played with some people who have bad intentions were taking advantage of this also to advise you wrongly for example that can happen that that also exists out there one of the things that i that i think is worth to think about or to consider is Am I going to start seeing myself the way that people want to confine me into? Am I going to believe the way that I'm being seen through their eyes? Or do I want to show them that I'm a skilled professional in my field? I've earned my spot. It is also a moment to to step behind and to profess this incredible empathy. Because when I think about your example, Nicole, it reminds me a little bit of when you find trolls on the internet, you know, and when you find people just spouting hate for no reason. What level of pain does a person have to be in or dissatisfaction in their life or unfulfillment to for no reason, for someone who clearly has a different background? And I think that the key to this dialogue is uh, empathy. And it has to start with us because we're not better if we start getting offended or see ourselves as being terrified or bullied into something. We can stand up for ourselves. We can not allow to be bullied, but in a way that fosters mutual understanding, and always from a side of empathy, from a side of look, I know this might come as a surprise for you, but this is not common knowledge. No one has ever explained this to me. Don't assume that I know this, because I don't. I would like to understand it first before we can have a dialogue about this. And then tell me, what can I do to solve this? What are the concrete steps? Because this clearly isn't working. How are you going to help me? And then the dialogue changes radically.
0: I think it might also be good along those lines for people to, if they're not so far along in their language learning, stop and memorize a couple sentences that command respect because this is a a different topic we could get onto another day, but um, Mm. I work in a public facing field and a lot of times in that environment, people will ask where I'm from (laughs) <laughs>
1: and I never know how to handle it
0: because it's, so, it's just really uncomfortable. It's, anyway, I struggled with it for a really, really long time. And somewhere around a year ago, I started saying back, is das überhaupt relevant? Which means, is that at all relevant? <laughs> <laughs> and it takes people so aback. To me, it felt crazy to say it the first couple times because it, it's a certain attitude that I don't necessarily naturally have. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it hel- it, the reaction was what I wanted. It threw people off. Maybe they would get defensive, maybe they would you know, have a reaction, but it stopped that line of conversation. So things like that, those couple small phrases have totally changed the way I interact with these moments that used to make me feel so small. And I remember in this confrontation, one of the moments that I started to feel a bit better. I mean, in this moment, I, I have to say it, it went so far beyond what I was capable of handling and I was just sitting there in tears, left there in tears, but I did manage to say at one point... I'm not fighting you and I managed to say, um, please don't speak to me like that learning a phrase like that, please don't speak to me like that might be handy just to have in your back pocket in case you do encounter this in one of these situations. What are some things that you've learned to do in these moments that have turned the situations around?
1: I've made so many different mixed experiences on this. And I again, I'm I have a very good level of German and still, I find it sometimes challenging. And I'm particularly triggered. I totally get where you're coming from. I'm particularly triggered by the where are you from? But where are you really from? And like, I'm white. So people um, be like, but you're from South America. Like, it just doesn't add up to them, right? So There's a whole different line of discourse. But among the lines of that, that those are, those are personal triggers, right? Maybe it's because I work very actively daily with people. But one of the skills that I found the most helpful was to take a brief pause, to take one step back and repeat to myself, I'm in control of my emotions. I decide how I want to feel about this. The little control that I might have over that situation is just to compose myself. To know, okay, this person is being too. My understanding might be being rude to me. Feels like they have the right to be rude to me because they perceive me in this way. That's how my analysis goes in my mind. And then I'm like, okay, what is this person's perception of me? Giving them the view or the, the feeling that this is the way to deal with me. So I try to go among the things that we have in common or the things that we agree upon. Look, we both know that this is a thing or this is the issue. And then try to take it from the things that we have similar so that they see me on the same level. So that they see that there's something common background that we can kind of draw from and being very calm. Also tonality is something that's, that, that speaks a greater role. So. If you try to to remain very calm and you lower your voice a little bit and speak slower, that is one of the best ways you can calm someone down who's just spouting at you. Just talk very calmly, very firmly, very quietly. Then that person will automatically try to sit back and be like, "Hmm, okay, maybe this person actually knows their shit after all. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You're just... just I mean, we don't have to be warriors of advocacy and be going for for diversification or for integration in every single encounter that we have. But it's also how we see ourselves should not be tailored by who someone else tries to box us. And then also, I know this is a total pain and it shouldn't be. And this is what I'm also trying to change actively. I feel like there's a lot of misinformation or lack of access to proper information. So sometimes as as an expat, or at least in my experience, you have to be overly prepared every single time. <laughs> I always have the feeling wherever I go, whatever I do, I always need to be informed. I always need to be very prepared because then I know what cards I'm being dealt with and I know how to play. I run different scenarios in my mind and I'm like, okay, best case scenario, worst case scenario, possibilities, where are actually the options, where are the actual consequences. I speak to people, try to inform myself, try to read upon it, try to know okay, what is happening so that when someone mentions something to me, I'm not fulfilling the stereotype of an ignorant, you know, an ignorant person leeching on the system or just being here floating and not knowing what they do. just like um, trying to play that rhetoric, always thinking, okay, how is this person perceiving me? How can I get them to see me as the person that I actually am despite my my language barrier? And try to kind of get them to acknowledge you and understand that you actually need help and that it's their job to assist you.
0: Yeah, I think that, so that's another aspect of it I wanted to touch on is what would we say to the, the people on the other side of these encounters if we could, like if I could sit down, you know, the woman from the, the driver's license encounter, you could sit down your, your woman from the bank. I don't know. I, I, you mentioned earlier, it's like we don't necessarily have to go into every situation being like, here is integration and is diversity. Um, like, Welcome to and
1: Integration it, 101.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I think that's part of what really frustrates me in moments like this. It's like, look, I'm just trying to be a person. I'm, I'm just trying to get my motorcycle license and go on nice mm. rides. Like, um, But at the end of the day, it's like sometimes that stuff does come up. So if we if we lean into that for a minute, like, what would you want them to say? I think for me, one of the things is, like, when someone's really stressed out and you know you can't help them any further just because of bureaucracy, like, because your hands are tied, telling them no and not saying anything else shuts them down and makes them want to scratch at that post even more because they think well, mm-hmm. they didn't even try. So let me just explain the situation differently or push back and, and fight for a different option. So. I wish I could tell people like, look, if you just pretend to try to help me, even if you know you're not going to find any other possibility, it'll make me feel better. Like we're going to end up at the same place, but maybe I won't leave in tears. You know, actually Mm. when this woman started to soften, once I did sort of confront her about how she was treating me. That's actually what she did. She she shuffled papers around and was like, oh, you're from the United States. Okay, which state are you from? Oh, okay, okay. And just mumbled things. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think she was really honestly doing anything, but she gave me the appearance of looking specifically into my case and listening to what I was saying and trying to help mm-hmm. me. Even if, as I said, even if she wasn't, it made me feel a little bit better and it made me feel less attacked, that's for sure. That's one thing for me. And then, of course, everything that we've said that the foreigner in the encounter can do in terms of empathy, de-escalating. Of course, I, I would love for a person of authority to also have those skills as well. But what about you? What are some other things that you would, if we're sitting down, yeah. all Germans in positions of authority right now for <laughs> integration one-on-one brought to you by foreigners, <laughs> what would um, you
1: say? Well, one thing that i i've been doing this for a while and it helped me a lot was i let people know that i see them you I, I appreciate your time and i know you're trying to do the best work you can i know this might be a complicated case and then i ask people hey have you had the opportunity to live abroad before i just try to you know put people in my position have you been somewhere where you don't know the language would you imagine yourself doing this then and I appreciate your time. I know it is a tough thing to ask for, but it would mean a whole lot to me if I knew that I have someone to count on. And some people react very positively to that. Not always. This is out of my personal experience, right? And Or my training as a linguist or my training as a, as a financial professional. But um, on a personal note, um, when we have more visibility, when we have more representation, when we come to terms with the fact that integration in the country happens at different levels and this applies for all countries visibility and representation so when the where the laws are being made when the products are being created when the training centers are happening and people are being um, taught how to interact anyone who has contact directly to someone who might have a different background there's a huge need for the soft skills of communication of negotiation of Culture background of just having a little bit of sensibility towards saying okay there are just two sides and we need to find common ground how do we do this even if you personally disagree even if you haven't seen this even if you don't know how to go about it and not just like an hr one hour talk or something i've met some coaches i've met some companies actually who dedicate themselves to doing this and incredibly successfully in a very 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 you know on the one hand empirical but also humane kind of way i i believe that that's the future for those of us who make it there and who get a voice and use it use prior voice that we have and acknowledge that we have this opportunity to advocate then that is incredibly valuable And I think that that goes a really long way in the long term because um, the cultural background, it changes for other generations. It doesn't change as fast as technology does, as immigration does. So it takes a while, but if we are, there's enough of us in a generation coming together and raising our voices, then there's also time to change. And it changes for the industry, for representation. And so much progress has already been made. Like I remember when I was for the first time in Germany, it was 15 years ago. When I compare that to the Germany that I, the Munich that I live in right now, where I cross the the street and I see international people, when I go to co-working spaces and that is a whole culture in itself, when I go to public offices and sometimes English is even available, there's a lot of progress being made and I wanna acknowledge that. I am saying though that every single one of us who is in this situation and is being confronted with this, and this is the decision that I was confronted with myself as well, either we sit or sit around. And wait until something changes and get to complain about it in the meantime. Or, or we can also, if we feel like we're ready, if we feel like we have the tools and if we have something to get back and we have an idea of, say, I want to influence this, then I want to encourage every single one of us to get out of this self-limiting belief that we have no power because we do. That was a radical change in my mentality a few years back. And ever since then, there's no turning back for me now.
0: One part of this whole experience between that moment happening and now was me debating to what extent I wanted to talk about it because who am I to make a big deal out of a bad experience that I had because I have so many good ones and, you know, I'm... White English speaking from the United States, I I run into way less prejudice than a lot of other foreigners. And so I Absolutely. sort of what I mm-hmm. came to the reason I decided I, I do want to talk about this is because exactly what you're saying, like, I am in a position now, especially working in a German environment, that means that I have the ability to give feedback. And through the podcast, you know, this is a platform where we can talk about difficult things. So part of me is like, oh, is this going to come across like we're just complaining about the country that we choose to live in and that we're so lucky to live in. And it, it's not really about that. It's it's really what you were saying, of, like, look, but it can be. It can be better and we just have to work on it. I don't know what the solution is. You know, I, I think you gave a lot of good tips today, but I think that what's important is that we start brainstorming and we, we keep working on it.
1: Nicole, I truly appreciate you having this, taking this initiative, because the one thing that was clear to me the first time I spoke to you was this was not a complaint session. This was not a whining self-pity parade kind of thing. This was more about how do we constructively create a dialogue about this? Because it's important to talk about it. It is important to make sure that it's visible. It's important to make sure that it's a thing that we sens- sensibilize people about this, but also in a way that is disconstructive, in a way that is um, optimistic, because experts are hardcore. And if we set our mind to it, I mean, we can change anything. Anyone who has an idea and says, I want to talk about it, if we're loud enough, then you might meet the right crazy person on the other side who says, I, <laughs> I actually have an idea. And then things unexpectedly get going. So... I'm an optimist on
0: that. Yes. So with that, that is a great transition to my call to action, which is listeners, if you're listening to this episode and and you've had moments like this at a doctor, at a bank, at a government office, wherever it may be. I want to know. I want to hear about it. And we're coming up on the season finale of the Cast. That'll be in about a month. I usually put together something fun and and special and more interactive for the last episode of the season. And this time, what I want to do is pull together an episode that's sort of a montage of people's experiences. So what I'm asking for is just a short voice message. You can record it on your phone and email it to me. One to three minutes of you talking about a time when you felt similarly to what we've been describing. And I'm going to weave these all together and put them in one place. I I don't know what the next step is. But like you were saying, get the conversation out there. Maybe we find the right people to to make some progress. And none of it's going to happen if we just keep accepting that this is our fate, that this is how we get treated. So go ahead and think about times when this happened to you. And please, please send them on over to thexpatcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much to Martina for for getting this conversation going and that'll be the continuation of it. But before we're wrapping up, we have a couple more things to do in this episode, one of which is the ending segment, which is called Zack, Zack, Zack. It's a rapid fire question round where I ask you three questions that you answer without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go (laughs) with your gut. Are you ready? Yes. What is the very best spot in all of Munich for a drink with a view?
1: My two all-time favorites are Café at the Technical University, the 4 of Café. A little bit under the radar, amazing thing, totally recommend. I have a thing for rooftops, so definitely that. And then the Mandarin Oriental is beautiful. It's a little bit pricey though, but one of the best spots, definitely.
0: Where is your favorite spot for a weekend getaway within Germany?
1: It's on. It's a, it's a lake <clears throat> on the south of Munich. It's one of my favorite places. Basically, you can you can be by the lake in nature, uh, close to the forest. And it's a beautiful thing. The views are breathtaking.
0: What is your favorite dessert to bake?
1: My favorite dessert to bake? Um, I'm more of a cooker than a baker. I have to admit I'm a disaster when it comes to baking, because I like to improvise, and baking and improvisation doesn't go well. Um. <laughs> But if I had to choose something with my mom when I was a child, uh, we would do this uh, old banana apple cinnamon muffins. I can smell them right now. If I look back, those are my childhood.
0: Well, wonderful. Those were your zacks, zacks, And you mentioned in the episode that all of these horrible experiences that you had <laughs> actually ended up being really productive for you. Well, you made them into something productive because they changed your path, your career path. And now... Uh, yeah. You work as a financial advisor, so tell people where they can find you, where they can connect with you, and what you're up to these days.
1: Yes, I became a financial advisor. Um, I work with the company Huamach, where are independent advisors. Um, I specialize in US America and Americans, because of the complexity behind it, I love a good challenge. So what I'm up to these days is uh, training further people who burn with the desire to make a change. We are three women who started this, which I also think is very relevant, for immigrant women. What we're doing right now is contributing to internationalizing our processes, our company, and also slowly but steadily making an influence into what is being offered and, and the possibilities to expanding the horizons, I to say, of what is possible, both for the side of the clients, but also for, for employees. Right now I'm doing workshops weekly, creating awareness for people, writing articles, social media, recording here and there. So if you follow us on Hoabach expats, so that would be H-O-R-B, like Bob, A-C-H, expats, Um, on Instagram or on LinkedIn or on Facebook, we're posting weekly um articles and everything that we're up to behind the scenes um there are links to attend our events completely cost-free financial education should be a right not a privilege especially for expats and i'm also looking forward to anyone who wants to reach out and say hey i would like to you know get to know better or i would like to actually sort out my finances and understand what i can do the door is always open
0: Heck, yeah, of course, we're gonna link to all of the things you mentioned in the show notes. Thank you just so very much for coming on the show and doing this. And also on a wider level, thanks for thanks for taking a moment of pain and turning it into power. and not only in the product that you guys are creating, but also in showing us that that's a way to do things. That's an incredible inspiration. And thanks for coming on the show.
1: I appreciate it, Nicole. It's been definitely a pleasure. I am very excited to see what people's feedback is on us. I'm really looking forward to that.
0: Thank you again to Martina for coming onto the show. I'm truly inspired by Martina. It puts wind back in my sails and reminds me that we we can make change. We do have power. As said in the episode, email me at thexpodcast at gmail.com. Leave me a message via the contact form at the contact or reach out to me on Instagram or on Twitter at the expat cast, and share with me your story of a time that you've had a situation like this where an interaction with a person of authority in your foreign country led you to tears or tear adjacent emotions. The season finale will be out on June 24th, so I'll need all submissions by Saturday, June 19th. I'll put reminders out over the next couple episodes as well. Thanks, as always, goes to Amy Lungy Art for the logo and to Side Hug for the theme music. They're on Instagram at a hug from the side. On Thursday, I'll be back in your feeds with an episode about burnout, re-entry, and reuniting. Until then, have a wonderful week. Bis dann. Tschüss.